0: Today's show is brought to you by Pride of Bristol Bay, where you can get truly sustainable, high-quality, nutritious Alaskan sockeye salmon delivered right to your door. Pride of Bristol Bay's wild salmon is sustainably harvested in the pristine waters of Bristol Bay, Alaska. Their focus team of fishermen are committed to the highest quality and handling standards at the point of harvest, creating the unsurpassed quality and flavor you'll find in every one of their wild sockeye fillets and portions each case of their wild salmon is labeled with the name of the bristol bay fishing district in which the salmon was harvested it's the ultimate in traceability boxes of supremely fresh frozen fillets and portions of the highest quality salmon are delivered to your door skin on and already deboned it is hands down the best salmon i've ever enjoyed You can learn more about Pride of Bristol Bay and support their important work by ordering your first box of frozen salmon by visiting their website over at prideofbristolbay.com. And for the month of October, make sure you submit the discount code FEDANDFIT. That's one word, all lowercase, at checkout. Welcome back to another episode of the Benefit & Fit Podcast. I am your host, Cassie Joy Garcia, and today is another wonderful reverse interview with a lovely Benefit & Fit listener. And if you're unfamiliar, if you're new here with the reverse interview concept, it's pretty simple. Benefit listeners and readers write in with really great questions. And when I get an especially good question, instead of responding to their email the way that they've asked, I will, or where however they've contacted me, I'll ask them if they'll come on the show so we can chat about it, the hopes that maybe it helps other folks. So today I'm joined by Elena. She lives in Brooklyn and she works in communication. She's also applying for nursing school. Welcome to the show, Elena
1: hi thank you so much i'm very excited to be on this podcast
0: yeah i'm very excited to have you well if you don't mind telling folks a little bit more about yourself your background and what you wanted to chat about today
1: yeah absolutely so um i guess in terms of my background and why i contacted you um i have had eczema my whole life um and i've also had uh, ibs for like most of it as well and for like the whole time I've had doctors be like, you know, like your skin has nothing to do with what you eat. Like lem- just we'll just give you some steroid creams, take uh, antihistamines and like that will help. But it has never really helped. And then the same thing with the IBS stuff, they're like, well, you don't have celiac um, and you don't have Crohn's or whatever. So like just eat a high fiber diet and like that will fix it. Um, but it didn't, as you will probably not be shocked to know. Um, and so recently I started, I sort of like stumbled into like, I saw, I started reading practical paleo and found like this whole scene of wonderful people who have provided so much educational information. Um, and I also found an integrative doctor that I started going to. So, um, I have been doing like a low FODMAP paleo ish diet and my skin got so much better. It was amazing. It wasn't like perfect. And my doctor was still like, I think we can make some improvements. Um, and my stomach got better too, but like still not all the way. So the nutritionist that I see had me do, uh, the like MRT leap food sensitivity test. Um, and so I had been eating some white rice, but nothing else. And when I took that test, it came back like all the gluten-containing grains came back reactive, which is not surprising at all. Um, but they it said that I could have quinoa and oats, um, but not rice. And so I was confused because rice is something that like is, as, a, as a starch, white rice is like accepted a, among people who eat like more primal and, and being less inflammatory, um, and I had been eating rice cause I'm pretty active. Like I, I work out every day, not like crazy. And I've, I'm in like a time of my life where I'm working out less than usual, which is good, but I still do work out every day and I walk a lot. So I didn't want to cut out more carb sources that I needed to since sweet potatoes are off limits for the low FODMAP diet. Um, so anyway, so it said I could have quinoa and oats and when I was thinking about it, I was like, should I add this back in like to keep my carbs up or should I take, or should I keep it out because it is still a grain? Um, and so I know like what the thinking is around white rice, but I am just a little bit confused about the other grains, the non-gluten containing ones, um, because I, I, maybe a little too perfectionist about this, but I want to like give myself as, as good of a chance of feeling really good before I start like messing around so I have a good baseline.
0: Awesome. But, that, <laughs> that was great. That was really good. Uh, this is a great question, a really great topic. Uh, just a quick question. Before you took that food sensitivity test, were you also eating quinoa or oats? I was not. Okay. Had you been at like at all recently?
1: I tried to eat like everything that would be on the test. Mm -hmm. Um, So there were a few things like I didn't eat barley, but like I ate almost everything else that was on the test before I took it because I wanted it to be like in my body.
0: Yeah. Smart. Good. Awesome. Just curious. Uh, And I'm asking that because for folks who are unfamiliar, maybe with the science of it is that if you haven't eaten it, then you won't actually have those antigens present in your body. So it may show up as non-reactive when you could be reactive. You just haven't eaten it recently. Um, So that's really good to know. Okay, awesome. This is such a good question. So I'm going to take it two directions. Let's talk about first. So <laughs> Elena and I are doing a video, so I don't know if she can see me making all my notes. I'm such a visual person. I wrote two directions and like an arrow with a Y <laughs> so I can remember what I'm doing. Um, so first let's talk briefly about, I think just the chemistry makeup of the different kinds of grains, right? And we're going to, I'm going to keep it super, superficial. Super superficial, <laughs> but i'm going to keep it very superficial at first on the science of that, and maybe we'll dive into it i 'll save it for another podcast topic we'll really jump into uh, the chemistry makeup the chemical makeup of different grains and what's out there i've done one on rice before i don't know if you've listened to that one um, okay, yeah, that's a good one. so we can do that one for quinoa and also oats in the future, but talk briefly about the makeup, and then let's talk about alternatives so really touch on your ultimate question is what do I do to really feel myself or feel the best for myself so that's the that's the million dollar question Um, okay so I would say number one and I'm sure Elena you know this and I'm sure so many listeners dialing in know this also but it's it's worth it's worth repeating just for the sake of setting the context so when it comes to the chemistry makeup of different kinds of foods right they're all going to have their own unique proteins, their own unique chemical structure that allows quinoa to be quinoa, oats to be oats, and rice to be rice, right? And the same is true for wheat, right? The wheat granule, obviously, which has uh, the protein we know of as gluten in it, has that in it where that gluten protein isn't present in rice, quinoa, or oats necessarily. Oats for the, just, just for the sake of throwing it out there. A lot of oatmeal is not labeled as gluten-free. If you, if you're wandering around in the grocery store and you're wondering why that is, it's probably because a lot of oats are processed in the same facility as wheat, where wheat is processed. And so there's just heavy cross-contamination that goes on there, just FYI. But at their core, oats are generally considered gluten-free. Okay. So just as oats and quinoa and rice don't have wheat gluten in them, they also have their own special proteins that make them unique. And it's possible that there's a protein in rice that just does not agree with you. And just the same, it may not be quite as severe as your intolerance to maybe wheat gluten, right? But it could be just severe enough to have some sort of an impact while your body is necessary is I don't want to say, I don't want to say broken because you're not, you're like a very healthy, vibrant young woman. But while your body is trying to overcome this thing that's manifesting as eczema and IBS, right? Um, it's possible that the, whatever little protein there is in rice that you're having a negative reaction to is just aggravating that problem. It's kind of like having an open sore on your palm and you just, You thought you fished out all of the debris, and there's one teeny tiny little splinter left. You know, so it may not be the biggest splinter, but it's one in there, and it's just aggravating it and maybe keeping you from healing entirely. Okay? And those proteins may not be present in quinoa and oats, so you might be fine. I don't know if you've experimented with eating those. Have you, since you've gotten that test results?
1: I have a little bit. Um, It's hard to say. Uh, Like, oats have always made me really bloated, so I just haven't touched them but i have tried quinoa and it seems to be fine.
0: Okay, that's great. You know what? And that's a really good marker. So our body bi- we know our body's best, right? And at the end of the day a food sensitivity test isn't actually i wouldn't consider to be the end all be all. I would say that what you know to be a reaction from your body to be a, even a better marker. Yeah. And so i'm the same. I would love to eat oats. I, I got went on an oat kick recently and I had my mother-in-law she was out shopping and I don't know why I was really wanting to change up my breakfast starch components I was like could you pick me up two canisters of oats I had this very specific brand in mind and they made me I was super bloated from them so I'm with you it just doesn't work for me but it works for some and quinoa might be the same there might be something in there that is so minor it won't show up on a food sensitivity test necessarily, but you can feel it in your body. So I would pay attention to those. I would keep a journal so that obviously, you know, oats are out because they make you feel bloated. But for folks listening, if you're wondering, I wonder if quinoa works for me, try having a scoop or two at dinner. If you're out at a restaurant, you don't want to buy it. You can just order it. Um, Pay attention to how you're feeling. Now there's other variables if you are out at a restaurant because you don't know what oils they're cooking things in, but um, if you can, try to reduce as many variables as possible, try to incorporate that new food, and see how you feel immediately after, two hours after, the next morning, and then the day after that. It's kind of the general food sensitivity reflection journal I like to walk th- folks through. Because sometimes, I, for example, if I have... My my reaction to wheat gluten. I recently had a pancake. Man, I feel like I've talked about this pancake on a a lot lately. But I had a pancake that was supposed to be gluten free, and I realized it wasn't later. But um, my reaction wasn't immediate. You know, it was not two hours later. It was almost ten hours later, and it was severe. And so, you know, I would keep a journal so that you can remember those things. And when I got sick. If I hadn't been thinking this is probably something I ate related and I rewound the clock and I realized that the kitchen mixed that up, um, it was just a really good insight. So keep those journals at those times and see how your body's feeling. And then also when it comes to eczema, because our skin changes more slowly than necessarily our digestion does, right? Because we can feel bloated in two days and then fine eight days later, right? Right. Now our skin usually takes, it's like a much slower, longer cycle. And it's much more frustrating because you don't know if you've pulled out the thorn or not. Yeah. You have to, you have to wait weeks to yeah. see. Um And so I get that. And I would also incorporate that into your notes. If you do decide to really give quinoa a try, I'm just focusing in on quinoa because it sounds like oats are out, but um I think if you really decide, yes, I really want to give quinoa a try because I really want to have some sort of a grain in my mainstay diet, then I would try to incorporate it at a pretty regular interval, maybe one serving every day, every two days, half a cup being about a serving, and do it for a month. But but take notes on how your skin has changed over that month from the beginning and then towards the end. So that would be really helpful, just to kind of give you an idea, and if it gets worse, and that's the only variable you've changed, right, and it's hard because we live in a changing world, like the seasons are changing, and there's allergies, and who knows what's out there, but that you to the best of your ability try to try to narrow that down so that would be one way to go in terms of trying to figure out if quinoa works for you. Um, now, the other thing to think about is. Now, if you've followed my brand for a while and what I talk about, and the folks listening here, this isn't going to be brand new information, but I'm not a paleo purist by any stretch of the imagination. Now, that being said, there are some times when following a paleo-type template for a period can really help us heal. Okay, and so what that means is trying to avoid grains. So if you really – if you, it depends – you're the only person who can make this, this call, right? And there's no right or wrong call. But um, if you really decide, I want to try quinoa, I feel it in my gut, this might be a good direction for me, then go that way. But if you're also hesitant and you're nervous, that you're going to have some sort of a reaction and it's going to postpone your progress, then maybe try to get starches from starchy vegetables and spend a couple months, maybe three, doing that. You don't have to be legalistic about it. Right. If you're out and you it's a it's a date night and it's once a month and you want to have sushi and you know rice isn't great for you but you just still want to have the sushi go for it right yeah. um, so you know no reason to be too dogmatic about what you set yourself up with and if it has, it's helpful for you. Because you do, it sounds like you're a very type A and you like to follow. I do too, I'm the same. Um, You can set yourself up those parameters. You can say once a month I can have white rice and whatever it is. You come up with those numbers that you feel good about, um, that you know your body can tolerate and bounce back from. But let the majority of your starchy carbohydrate intake come from root and um, the squash kind of vegetables. Okay, so those. Are just to kind of throw a blanket out in case anybody's scratching their head and wondering, what are those vegetables? Those would be, and we're in a good season now because they're finally they're finally available mostly everywhere. That would be the butternut squash. That would be acorn squash. Spaghetti squash is actually kind of low carb. So don't eat a big bowl of spaghetti squash and think you're gonna feel the same as if you had pasta. Um, I kind of put it on the low carb, starchy category, but butternut, acorn are good. Kibosa, or how do you even say that? Kibosha.
1: I don't know. I want to say kibosha, but who
0: knows? <laughs> I don't know either. I have a recipe for it on my website <laughs> for a soup, and I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, it's a kibosha chorizo and shrimp soup. It's really yummy. But that would be a good one. Beets are good. That would be another good source. Carrots are actually a relatively good source, as are parsnips. Um, what else are out there? Plantains are really wonderful. If you Rutabaga
1: is one of my
0: perfect. I love it. Rutabaga is a great one. You know, so start to and potatoes if you tolerate potatoes, um, but sweet potato, white potato, purple, whatever you know tickles your fancy. Now, of course, all that has to do with your particular food sensitivities. You'll choose the ones that work for you. But I would say, especially because you're an active girl and you know that you do well with carbohydrates. In general just as a macronutrient in general I would make it a priority to have plenty of those around Um, and you could try that for a couple months and see how your skin responds but it would be the same journaling activity where you are keeping kind of macro level notes of what you're eating right just what you ate not necessarily I ate X amount of grams of sweet potato today but I had potatoes on this day, and then on Saturday I ate quinoa or whatever it is. Um, But keep macro-level notes on what you're eating, how you're feeling, and then watching your skin progress. Is that helpful?
1: That's super helpful. Yeah. No, that's great. I mean, I think it really does come down to this, like, it's all about how you feel, and it just – we don't spend a lot of time in our society, like slowing down and thinking about that. So it's really helpful to just like set it up with the journaling, which I have to admit I try to do. And I often just like don't. So yeah,
0: You know, and that's okay. That's so normal too. I'm the same. Like I will, my goodness, I can't tell you how many books sat on my bedside table. It's not exactly the same, but I'm going to read this book every night. (laughs) I'm going to read a chapter of it to wind down. It's kind of the same concept. And at the end of the day, my books just pile up. So what I would recommend doing, if you do have a hard time journaling every single day, give yourself a break there and maybe just journal your aha moments. Right, and that's okay too. That still counts as a journal. You can do a really high level journal where it's just you journal when there's something significant enough to write down that happens. You know, I I feel bloated today, and then to the best of your ability, you write down what you think might have had an impact on that. Right, or you just go maybe you're just looking at your skin and you just have one of those moments where you realize, wow my skin is actually doing really well right now i'm going to write this down you know and write down what i have or have not been eating those kinds of things because and we tend in the moment we think we're going to remember them forever and for whatever reason those the details slip away from us and so just writing it down will kind of help so i would write down those big aha moments or if a patch does show up that was surprising or ibs tends to come back after a certain period, just kind of write down those things. And that'll really be powerful. When you read them all together, it will start to tell a story.
1: Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I think I just need to stick with it long enough, even if I'm not perfect about it so that I can get that sort of like pattern.
0: Absolutely. The body's resilient. You know, it really is. I think that if we, if we eat, you know, kind of over a map, that's like this, and maybe every once in a while I'm showing her because we're doing video. But let's say, uh, describe it to listeners. If if we are just staying as much as we can within the certain parameters of a dietary protocol that we write for ourselves, right? So let's say Elena is going, as she says, sweet potatoes, rutabaga, and um, plantains. Those are my jam. I'm gonna eat tons and tons of those. And then occasionally I'm going to have white rice, and occasionally I'm going to have quinoa, and maybe I'll have a bowl of oats. right? So those would be out, those would be deviations outside of what we're eating, but our body, for the most part, is resilient, and we're going to be able to temper those deviations. So it's okay yet. Yeah, so I guess what I'm trying to get a point across is um, you don't have to be perfect in these pursuits to see big results and to learn big things about your body.
1: That's really helpful to hear, as somebody like you said, who's kind of type A and wants to be perfect, but to just know that the body is resilient and it'll it'll adjust. And doing every once in a while something that's like not allowed is okay.
0: Yeah, it is. And if we start to think of it as this is part of my plan, it makes it so much more fun. Yeah. Um, Anyways, my puppy just woke up from a nap. I walked into this room. I was telling Elaine before we started recording that uh, I'm in my office, which is turning into the nursery and there's lots of furniture in here and it's a hot mess. And I walked in here and I looked under a, a coffee table whatever for whatever reason is in this room right now. I thought, what is that white fluffy thing under that coffee table? It was Gus. Oh,
1: so cute. <laughs>
0: Anyways, well, thank you so much. Is that, was that
1: helpful? That was super helpful. I really appreciate it.
0: Good. I'm so glad. That was a really good question. I'm sure that other listeners um, definitely got something out of it. I'm going to let Gus out of this room so he can go see his friend. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on. Do you have any other questions while we're still together?
1: No, that's all.
0: Thanks so much, Cassie. Thank you, Elena. For all the listeners here, as always, you can find a complete transcript of today's show over at fedandfit.com. And as always, we'll be back again next week.